The Lollygaggers Podcast wishes all of our listeners a Merry Christmas. Except for Thomas Lennon, who we wish the merriest of Christmases. On this episode, Jeff and Justin jointly review Aquaman, the first DC movie to acknowledge the sun exists and that laughter is an actual thing. The Gentleman's Challenge returns to Mythica, but only after taking a well-intentioned ride to the furry-infested town of Pottersville. Welcome to episode number 38 of the Lolly Geigers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. Another one, Justin. What's, how's it going, man? What's up? What's up? Merry Christmas, Justin. It's, yeah. uh, it's two, well, I mean, two days prior to Christmas, but but yeah, you're going. Justin's leaving. He's going out of town tomorrow. So we're, uh, we're recording. Yeah. Yeah, all the way. You're going to be in my time zone or close. Yeah, you're going to be in my time zone. And then we're not going to communicate for like two weeks, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, Merry Christmas, man. Uh, I hear you got a new uh, a new Christmas present already from your wife. Yeah, she got me a really cute little uh, light up sign that says recording in progress. Uh, so I can put it outside my door. It's cute, but like she doesn't realize that. She's investing money into something that has not going to pay back at all. So she's making a terrible mistake. So, uh, uh, wait, wait, we're not getting money back from this. I thought we were become millionaires. Uh, yeah. but it's taken a while. Uh, you uh, swayed me to do this with the promise of uh, money and booze and uh, and all sorts of other stuff and, yeah. and acting work. I know. I haven't seen but... either of those things yet. By the way, nothing. nothing. I nothing. apologize, but uh, yeah, she got me a cute little sign. I'll put on the Instagram later. Uh, I have to try and find a way to make it turn on with Alexa. So that way it's all nice and professionally done. So, but it's really cute. Have Have you been getting? Have you gotten any uh, pre Christmas presents yet? No, my wife is firmly against that. Uh, I have, however, uh, been in the in the Christmas holiday spirit. Uh, I've been baking, uh, which is interesting. It's my last name, uh, Baker. But Baker. Uh, I don't, I don't really bake much. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good cook because I, I I worked in a lot of restaurants over over my time, but I never really baked too much. And so so far in the past two weeks, I've baked uh, a cheesecake, which came out perfect i mean so amazingly perfect it was ridiculous i gained 10 pounds uh and then i uh i baked a bunch of uh white cr- white chocolate cranberry and macadamia nut cookies uh for uh for for uh for christmas and i got another i got another one that i'm gonna be doing like this ginger that is blaspheme my friend you what? do not put fruit in uh cookies what's wrong with you it's what's wrong it's with you? cranberries what it's cranberries it's like it's like raisin. You always do oatmeal raisin. You put them in there, and then it's it's white cranberry. It's white chocolate and cranberry. Have you ever had a dried cranberry? They taste delicious. They taste like candy. I'm just not a fan of fruit in my pastries, like cakes well, or is it cookie like a pastry? Do we call cookies pastries? In my confectionaries, know. is that better? I'm, I don't know. I am still new to the baking thing, uh, and I have another round of cookies I'm planning possibly after we finish recording. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, I've been uh, I've been I've been baking so. Uh, and I mean like that in the in the traditional kitchen with an oven sense. That's what I've been doing in my time off because I've had time off because I'm a teacher. It's great. So the other thing I've done, Justin, is I've gone to the movie theater this past weekend. You too? Oh. And I do believe that we have kind of a, a movie that we're going to go ahead and do a breakdown for. Is that is that correct? It's the movie. Right down. So, we haven't done this in a while, but Aquaman is directed by James Wan, and it stars Jason Momoa as the title superhero. It takes place a year after your events of, I think it, was, it wasn't was Justice League, it was, it was Batman versus Superman, I think, which saw Aquaman join forces with Wonder Woman and Batman, etc., to take down Steppenwolf. And now, in his solo movie, Aquaman, Arthur... Uh, is drawn by Mira uh, to the underwater city of Atlantis to confront his brother, Orm, uh, who seeks to unite the underwater kingdoms and wage war on the surface because of years and generations of neglect and poisoning seas, etc. 
Uh, in order to do so, in order to, to prevent Orm from doing this, Aquaman and Miriam has to go on this little globe-trotting quest to acquire the Trident of Atlan, uh, which is a magical artifact from uh, one of the original kings of Atlantis. Uh, and he's going to use that trident to help him defeat Orm, uh, unite the various underwater kingdoms, and hopefully bring peace to both surface and ocean dwellers. Uh, so... We've watched Aquaman. It's the newest movie in the DC universe. Uh, hopefully you have too. If you haven't, know that we might spoil some things here. So if you're worried about going into Aquaman, having something spoiled, it's probably best for you to skip forward to the Gentleman's Challenge right now. Uh, I will try not to give anything too major away, but we'll certainly we'll talk about some specifics of scenes and whatnot. So, Justin, what do you think about Aquaman? So... I'm a homer in these things because I'm the giant comic book nerd when it comes to uh, these types of movies. It's true. And, Justin is 17 feet tall. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I go into these being a little bit uh, uh, cautious, and especially with DC movies. And I try not to be a DC hater, but recently they've been just so bad and made no sense. So I went in this with pretty low expectations because how great can Aquaman I love Jason Momoa. I think he's a great actor. I think he seems like a really cool guy with a really great uh, story. Um, but I, so I was hoping this entire time that like this is going to be good because I like him as a person. You know, he's a great uh, uh, what's Drago, and he was was that what it was? Yeah, from yeah. Game of Thrones, he was Cal Drogo. Yeah, yeah. Cal Drogo. Um, I always remember him, and I've always liked him because I was a big Stargate Atlantis fan uh, back in the day. Like, I never really got into the original Stargate because I was never really a big Amanda Tapping fan. Uh, but I watched Stargate Atlantis, which is interestingly enough, Stargate that Atlantis. That is now He's going to Atlantis. Isn't that crazy? He was Atlantis and Atlantis again. It's just all sorts of Atlantis. Uh, so, yeah, I've always sort of rooted for him uh, because I feel like that was the first time I saw him. And so I, and he got Cal Drogo and now he's now he's Aqua freaking man. It's insane. And and so I want to see the guy do well because I, I really like him as an actor. And I thought the movie was at the at the most adequate. Like it was the most competent of all the DC movies. There was no part. Uh, where... Well, I mean, Wonder Woman was was very good. So. Sure, but I think this is a, I think this is better than Wonder Woman just a little bit. I liked Wonder Woman <laughs> okay. a lot, but okay. at the end, Wonder Woman was just let's beat each other with uh, rubble at the end again. Um, but that's the only thing I'm. No, that's totally kind of, true. The uh, the culminating scene or that that big moment to see. Yeah, so that's the well one. Done. That's the only thing that took me out of Wonder Woman, and I and I, during the movie, I'm like, oh, we're doing this again. Like I I don't like feeling that in theater. I never felt like that with this. Now there there are problems I have with this, but um, I thought that. It was paced a little poorly because it went on forever. It was a two and a half hour yeah. movie. Yeah, two twenty, two two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, it's bad when I'm watching the movie and I look over. My wife's looking at her watch, and when his abs are on screen and she wants to look at her watch, that's a problem, right? Because um, I had a hard time looking away from his abs, and now she's looking. At, I, I was confused. So that's my biggest gripe with this movie. Um, the story overall is fine but it's just kind of like yeah nothing new or interesting um there was kind of like these indiana jones moments that were going on which i i like those moments the most when they're in the desert and stuff like that but that doesn't make sense for aquaman you know to go across you know globe trotting especially in a desert but to me that was the most exciting stuff because that's where his charm most came out and his, his acting most came out was in those non-water scenes um i thought the action sequences were good Especially the first action sequence with the Nicole Kidman, uh, time turned back Nicole, Nicole Kidman. I thought that was a really cool scene in the house. And every fight scene was pretty good. Um, a few of the things I gripe about is uh, it sure seems like they're ripping off Thor a little bit. Specifically Thor Ragnarok. Oh, exactly. Really? The, the synth music and... Um, synth, that, synth music? What synth music? A lot of the times there are these battle scenes like when they're running through uh, Sicily... There's like synth music going when they were fighting and stuff like that. It seemed very much like Thor Ragnarok. I don't know if I would go as far. I mean, like there was, I mean, there was basically like kind of edgelord metal is is kind of how I equated it as opposed to something like, I don't know, like Evanescence type stuff, like as opposed to synth stuff, as a, as a purveyor of synthwave. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't I, love, I do, I love synthwave. Uh, I don't know if I would go as far as this. I know what you're saying, but I don't think I would go that far. I would, and also, I don't think the Thor Ragnarok is like the first movie to ever use synthwave. Sure, but it just seems like they were borrowing a little bit from that 
uh, environment because like with Thor Ragnarok, they're using uh, Jack Kirby's inspirations and colors and stuff like that. And I felt like they're really trying to go for that with this one with the whole underwater luminescent stuff. Very colorful, very interesting and weird. Kind of like how they did in uh, Battle World and Thor Ragnarok. I just got that feeling from that. But I'm also I'm always thinking comic books all the time. So I have a bad human brain. So that's all I'm always thinking. Um, the other thing I don't like is <clears throat> at the end, it just dissolves to CGI fights. And th they do that a lot with these DC movies. But this was just a CGI barf at the end with so much stuff going on. And my biggest gripe is they fought crab people. And we know that there are, there are rulers and we should not defy the crab people because they are the ones who decide everything that happens. So it's true. It is actually very true. People, I'm actually looking at this people. soundtrack there because I remember there were a lot of covers. I remember the uh, the Africa cover. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Which was uh, part of me was just like just 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 do the original Toto Africa. Yeah, just use or Toto do, or do the Weezer Africa that just came out this past year. That was so awesome. Uh, but I think they did. I think it was Pitbull, and then they did. Oh, that's the thing too. Mode. Like Pitbull, yeah. like any movie that plays Pitbull, I have a problem with that. He's awful, and it's just like. What, why are we playing Pitbull? Um, so I had some problem with the music um, and then the CGI fights because it seemed like at the end of the movie, I could have filmed that in my living room, you know, because it's just all green screen or nobody at all. Like, I just don't like movies that don't use much right. practical at all. Like, have have someone just holding a piece of uh, seaweed next to you so some of it's real, you know what I mean? And that's all it is. But beyond that, it was still a, it was an entertaining movie. I think Jason Momoa is charming in it and fun to watch. I didn't think he had enough time to shine um, in those moments because everything seems so serious for like what was going on. And I get, you know, they're trying to be serious with the movie, but like I thought his best moments were when he was kind of freewheeling and fun. And I, I liked that as his character, like that beginning when he's in the bar and he seems tough and then he ends up just having a great time with the guys. I love that. I thought that was fantastic. It was so funny because like he seems like a tough guy and then he, they're all getting drunk and having a great time. I thought it was great. Like, I like that part of him. I don't need a brooding guy the whole time. And I mean, it's, I mean most of the movies is kind of super serious. I like them being funny and, and, and jovial. But overall, I enjoyed it. Um, a lot of America enjoys it right now, apparently. Um, it's obviously going to get a sequel. Uh, I thought uh, Black Manta was an interesting villain. I thought it was cool how he did his suit and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. It's very, it, it, They do a lot of stuff to really... Uh, really go towards the uh comic book fan because it's exactly what black manta looks like the first helmet he uses before it explodes that's the black manta like original helmet the silver one and then how they did orm was really good because that's exactly what it looks like in the comic books like i enjoyed a lot of that stuff so like the nerdy part of me really loved those things but overall like there's nothing super special about this film that you like have to go see it because it blows your mind it's, it's, to me it's just by a numbers comic book movie and there's really nothing different about this than any of the other ones. It's just the first competently, 100% competently done DC movie other than Wonder Woman. So, like, I guess that's my review. So, a, a tepid positive review, I guess what I would say. What do you think of it? Uh, I agreed with a lot of it. I definitely don't think it's as good as Wonder Woman. I think Wonder Woman holds up really, really well. And the only, uh, to me, the only failing in Wonder Woman was the very, very end. Um, but I do think that it is definitely the second best of the DC movies I've seen. It far surpasses Justice League. It far surpasses Suicide Squad. Easily. I mean, Easily. like it's not even, it's not even close. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned these comparisons to, to Thor Ragnarok, which is pretty interesting. I didn't I didn't really think about it in those terms, but I can I guess I can sort of see some of the things that you're saying. One of the things I definitely liked about this movie is it showed that you can actually have a sense of humor in the DC universe, which is nice. And you don't finally, have to so damn finally. seriously. Also, what was really surprising is I didn't realize that that a sun existed anywhere in the DC universe. I thought for sure it was just a perennial. <laughs> well, uh, all you saw really was the sun rays going through the water most of the time, uh, except when they were on. No, 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 no. They were outdoors, like quite often, like when they were in the desert. That's that whole sequence. They were out to outdoors. They yeah, and that little scene when they're and... when they're in like the the little town and the little village. Yeah, the, in Italy and Sicily great. there. Yeah, that was a great yeah. little scene where she's she doesn't understand surface world stuff like that. Like I thought that was mm -hmm. nice. That was cute, but like. Everything else is so blue because, you know, obviously they're in the water. It's this blue filter and stuff like that. It's just kind of dark. I, I like the globetrotting stuff. Right. I, I like the globetrotting aspect of it. I mean, I, um, I think so. I mean, there's so many things I want to talk about. But going back and trying to go, kind of go back and respond to some of the things that you said or, or build upon them. Uh, I definitely think the movie outstays its welcome. 
Uh, I think it's two hours and 20 minutes long. And it's, that's, that's at least about a half an hour too long, I think. And I feel like it was pulling itself in a couple different directions that probably didn't need to necessarily have. So you mentioned you like the Manta stuff. I hated it. I thought it was the most tedious waste of time. Um, and he, he was clearly, I mean, it's a setup obviously for the sequel at the very end, but ultimately it was just such a waste. Um, when the the vast majority of the movie is focusing on other aspects, right? It's focusing on the kingdoms of it uh, of the uh, under the underwater kingdoms, basically, and on this quest to acquire this this trident. And he was just sort of this gnat that just kept getting in the way. And and while that might be true to the comics in terms of its visuals, I got to tell you that as a as a moviegoer, it just felt annoying whenever he was on there because he wasn't. I knew ultimately he's not the guy that we're paying attention. He's not the objective here, right? Yeah, he's it's not warm. the obstacle that makes sense. And so it was just a waste of time. And he, and if you cut all of the stuff that has has to do with Manta, then like that's like twenty minutes you're getting back right there, and that really really helps, I think, in terms of keeping the pace up for this movie and making sure that we're not you know we're not wasting our time like. Did he really need to be in that sequence, that fight in the in this in the you know the Sicilian village? No, of course he didn't. Like that could have just been Orm's people that he was sending out. Like there's no reason for for Manta to be there other than you know it's it's a it's some sort of service to to comic you know comic book readers. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100. Like he didn't have to be. He, I think he should have been like maybe the post credit scene teaser or something. He I think is 100 right, which is fine. Service. Yeah, which is you know, which is fine. I'm not a huge fan of the post credit teasers, but it's it's pretty much par for the course these days. But at the same time, it just it just was a, such a waste and was so sort of frustrating. And in terms of like the movie's beginning point, I felt there was a lot of stops and starts. Like it took a little too long, I think, for the movie to get going because we begin the entire movie with the voiceover from Arthur talking about how the love of his mother and his father is what saved the world, et cetera, et cetera, which is the theme that kind of runs through it. But at the same time, like the title sequence doesn't come to like 15 minutes into the movie after we've had this long backstory of Nicole Kidman. And uh, I don't know the actor's name. I think it's uh, something more. Django Fett. Django Fett. You're thinking Django Fett. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so ba basically Arthur's dad, like it just felt too long. It felt it felt excessively long. And I, I feel like we've already gotten an introduction to this to this character. Like, how much more do we need? And I think, especially since we frequently go into flashbacks throughout the movie to these moments with Kidman and to these moments with his training, that like, do we really need like fifteen straight minutes? Now, on the on the other hand, I credit them for not having a thirty minute opening, which they probably could have easily done if they tried to montage together all of Arthur's training when it comes to, to Volko and whatnot, when he's teaching him on the, you know, on the beach and and whatnot. But, you know, it, it's just like, just get going with the story at a certain point, you know, just, just go. Like we've already had a couple, you know, we've already seen Aquaman at this point. Like, so I felt like that could have been trimmed a bit too. And, and just, and, and where I think the, the movie should have focused more of its energy was on the kind of fun little adventure story that was going on. Like one of the things I credit it for is that it felt, fun and it felt refreshing you know it kind of was like when you when you watch a dc movie oftentimes i just go in feeling horrible about myself and leaving feeling horrible <laughs> about myself right and that's all it is because it's like oh my god the world's gonna die everything's horrible blah 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 and these weird cgi things start to fight you know but in this one it felt bright and it felt fun it was a nice like you know a moose bouche or something to me to be like a total, total snub uh so it was a good little palate cleanser to me and if they would have focused, I think, more on that kind of Tomb Raider, Uncharted, you said Indiana Jones, uh, I, I saw the Nerdist like reference romancing the freaking stone with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Like, I'm totally on board with that. And I felt like the quest to actually acquire the the Trident wasn't wasn't long enough, like that we didn't get to experience it enough. Like it happened in like an hour and a half, you know, and I don't mean an hour and a half, like in terms of the movie length. I mean, like literally they it took them like an hour and a half, you know. Um, so I would have, I, I wish there were more steps to that. Like the other thing that I felt was a, a missed opportunity. And that's kind of what I'm talking about here is, is, is missed opportunities that I think could have made the movie better. And that is just, it was really disappointing how the, how the cultures of the underwater kingdoms were not explored. Like there was, it was just, all, yeah, everything you had was a chance incredibly of superficial. Like yeah, like weird characters. And like, I like, let's get into that. Let's get into these strange, like the Fisher King, like, I want to know more about that world right. and, and also the crab people. That's interesting to me. Like 
let's get weird. Like you have a chance to be weird. Let's be weird. I want to see more of that stuff. Right. And the thing is like our experience with the Fisher King stuff, they're basically the underwater elves. And then you have the brine, which is essentially underwater dwarves. And that's how I see them right now, which is entirely derivative and really boring. And I think you have this whole underwater world to explore. And it's really disappointing that the vast majority of this underwater world is essentially just a reflection, the exact same thing. It, their kingdoms, their monarchies. Dude, we don't even really have functional monarchies anymore. Like pretty much all, all like modern powers don't do monarchies. Like, so the fact that like they're still doing these underwater kingdoms and then they have this weird kind of hypocritical, uh, you know, uh, uh, like, like audacity to assume that the surface is so horrible, right? When they're still doing bloodlines and that's how they're determining who gets to be the leadership. I would have loved to explore them some more. And it's a really, it's a shame that we didn't. And like the little bits and pieces that we have are so minute. And especially, and you mentioned about Jason Momoa and how his personal story and his cultural background is so interesting. And it sort of, it's a shame. It felt like they could have done more with that as well. Like it's set in. Yeah. Every time he, every time he would do his Haka stuff, I was like, yeah, it's cool. I like that. Like when he would get all upset and like do his little Haka stuff. I loved it. It would be great if there was more of that involved, like if they actually took advantage of that and really started to to explore the, the, the basically the cultural aspect of of everything regarding the characters and the people who are in your in your movie, you know, and I just feel like, again, it's an opportunity lost, right? It's just an absolute opportunity lost that it's a shame. And I wish they could have done more with it because I mean, ultimately, I, I like the movie. But at the same time, I, I also feel like the movie could have been so much better. It really, really could have been. And it kind of gets me, you know, a little bit, a little bit frustrated. Now, the other things that sort of bug me in terms of the CGI things that you're talking about, like for sure, I mean, I get frustrated with it, like with the CGI stuff, it gets a little bit overdone. I also get a little tired of like everything coming down to a fight. Like it just comes down to the stupid fight. Like I'm, I'm so glad like during that massive battle that ends this particular movie that Mara eventually is just like, whoa, 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 we're killing each other. We should stop doing that. Like, cause that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, wow. I mean, this is, I mean, you're just literally killing each other. At a yeah. You, you point, get you know? basically spoilers. You basically get a Kraken that is just, demolishing everything and murdering everything left and right and all in multiple right. cultures and like it i'm really here to save you surprising either yeah. yeah i'm here to save you by killing everybody like oh my <laughs> yeah, god exactly These are people. i am your new king uh, i come in peace excuse now me die. let me wipe this blood off my face really quick no 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 i really do come in peace so the other thing is i felt like orm's character was yeah had the had the potential to be far more interesting because like underneath it one of the complaints of this the, of the underwater kingdoms is like how horrible the surface is right and how we pollute their waters they're right i mean like honestly this is this is a film that could have i think done more to to promote this notion of kind of global warming this notion of poisoning of, of oh, yeah, rising, absolutely. all that kind of stuff right it could have done so much more and honestly like orm's not wrong you know like if you think about it to a certain degree like the surface people have had such an opportunity and like we're wrecking their life their their lives like we really are and even though we do so many other things like they're we're just totally wrecking it and it would have been great to see that him turn into less of a i'm just bad you know but instead of like going instead of that like going about it the wrong way like right he's correct a lot like with um what's his name uh who's the Michael B. Jordan's character from Black Panther? A lot like him where it's like, he's not right, wrong right. in what he's saying, but he's just going about it a terrible, terrible way, you know? And just, I, I would like that better. But like when, when he, when he goes to Fisher King and then does what he does there, you're like, you can't get on his side at all. Like he's just a maniac at that point. Like Exactly. And that's my no... point. Like it just, like there was a switch thrown. Like he, I mean, the way he set up the kind of that initial, the initial meeting and stuff was pretty hazy, but I don't, I don't think like, I I was okay with that one. Like that one, I think was really pushing the envelope at this, but at the same time, like, I really felt like they could have done more to make his character less like this big, bad, awful guy and, and more, you know, legitimate, like, is this guy who has a legitimate position? Cause he does honestly have a legitimate position. Like if you think politically or socially about what like the surface to ocean life, you know, complexities are, but it's just a shame that it became kind of one note at the end. Um, now you, Jason, you killed my mom. I hate you. 
Right. And yeah. Uh, so Jason Momoa is, I think was awesome. Like there are times I think when he, he, he definitely breathes some life into the universe. Like when we're coming from a Ben Affleck who, as much as I, I think Ben Affleck is a very good director, I feel like in his, his Batman was just like so ultra dark. I just couldn't, you know, it's just like whatever. And then how, I mean, everybody is just so ultra dark. And like I think Jason Momoa brought like a life to playing a lead in the whole Justice League universe, right? The DC universe that I think some of the other leads don't have. And as much as I think Henry Cavill does a very admirable job with Superman, I think the problems are less about Henry Cavill and more about Superman, right? And I think the problems like with, with Batman, Batman's just so dreary and dark. Like, I, I feel like Jason Moe was just, look, he was great. Like he, he, was, he was fantastic in this, like absolutely fantastic. And I, and I do hope that they do a second movie with it and let him have more space, you know, to, to actually be kind of the big dumb idiot but not a not an idiot you know he's like sort of plays the big dumb idiot but ultimately underneath it he's he's relatively intelligent and he's you know has good intentions behind it so the thing about henry cavill though is like you say is in superman i think aquaman's a very one-dimensional character as well kind of hard to relate to when he's you know king of the underworld underwater right i think it more the henry cavill and superman thing has more to do with the writing of the particular movie that he's in because i think spider-man or superman can be done well even though i know you're not a terrible fan of this i think he'd be done well it's just still waiting you know, to see that happen i haven't seen that yet so yeah i think he'd be done really well it's just i think it has to do with the writing of what's going on with him i thought he was written so dreary in those films it's hard to you know he's supposed to bring a light of hope in but i digress i think that you're right jason momoa brings some fun to it he plays not an idiot but someone who's not as serious and isn't care, yeah. care about you know doesn't take himself so seriously right yeah, yeah that's what I like. both the character and the actor and I, I don't know i'm I, maybe i'm just projecting or hoping or whatever but that's just sort of the feeling i'm getting watching it and so it, there was a there was a charisma to the lead that like i wanted to root for this guy i, I really like this guy i wanted good things to happen not just because he's the hero but because i genuinely like the guy like you mentioned that scene in the beginning where like he's drinking with his dad and those those guys come up and they're like hey you're that you're that aquaman guy right and and like the, it's playing on the expectation of oh these idiots are going to pick a fight with him for what reason and then they ultimately just take a bunch of selfies with him and get drunk i mean that's hilarious like that was really funny and playful and i really like that element so yeah i i give it a a tepid yes i liked it a lot um uh from a spider-man raimi spider-man to a uh guardians of the galaxy i give it a uh a iron man three so you figure out what you, th what you think that is i don't know yeah. that scale because i didn't like any of the iron Man movies oh, personally yeah. but oh, that's okay. just because i i i'm against robert downey jr for some reason i don't know not no i actually well i like him in sherlock holmes actually so that's probably not it i just i don't know i never really liked iron man we've had those conversations before so i'm not gonna yeah. rehash them here for me I definitely like it. I definitely recommend going to see it in the theater. I really do, because I do feel like the underwater extravagance that you see with many of the scenes uh, as they're kind of going through Atlantis, even though you don't get a ton of it, I still think it looks really good. Um, the only issue is the length, which is, to me, counterproductive to encouraging people to go see it in a theater. The amount of people who had to get up and leave during and come back during the theater because of its length. I think was significant. And plus, there's a lot of kids in the movie theater and making them sit still for two hours and 20 minutes, I think, is a little bit more difficult. So again, I find the length of the movie to be really strange. I, I feel like they should have cut it, trimmed it and focused on some of the things that were a little bit better. But ultimately, to me, it's like a good kind of, you know, B minus type of movie for me. Like I give it that. I mean, that's like if I'm grading it, that's where I'm grading it. Like I, I think it could have been better. And it has and I think Aquaman has the potential to be a really interesting star. And moving forward, I hope you know, DC with the new Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman movie coming out and focusing on Aquaman and maybe like the Flash and stuff and getting away from the classic Superman, Batman stuff might actually be a good thing for it. Like that focusing on these other, um, I don't want to call them also rands because that's like kind of uh, undercutting it. But I, I feel like that could be a benefit because we're exploring heroes that maybe we don't know as well as those, you know, the titular Superman and Batman. And I think I think Aquaman definitely success as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like you think of Marvel, they started with Iron Man before Iron Man came out. He was kind of a B level hero. People really didn't sure. care much about him. Yeah, and they, they yeah. started with a with a non you know a non high risk property, and with a someone who had basically you know 
he was on the blacklist of, of acting for a little while and then it just made a huge hit. So I, I like when they take these, these ancillary characters and make interesting stories out of them. So like, and they try so hard with Superman's like, I get what they're doing. Like they're trying to create a tent pole for their, their organization, but they just, they just keep stumbling along the way. So anyways, that, 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 that's, that's the way I think. Yeah. yeah. So positive for both of us. I think I, I might like it a little bit better than Justin, but I think we both like it. So uh, go see it. It's good. It's a fun little holiday movie too. It's just a fun movie to go to. Uh, and with that, we're going to go ahead and head over to our gentleman's challenge for the week. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. The Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lawley Gaggers podcast, where Justin and I like to give each other a homework assignment. Uh, and then to ensure that we complete said homework assignment, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. Usually this homework assignment involves watching a movie or a couple episodes of a TV show, maybe playing a game or reading a comic. Uh, I should also mention that this is a very heavy spoiler zone, so we do not pull any punches. So if you don't want to hear about how certain TV shows and movies that we're going to talk about today end, uh, you probably want to skip this and come back after you have watched them yourself. Uh, on that note, Justin, I think you're up first this week. What was your homework assignment? I had a surprising uh, Christmas cult classic, I believe, uh, Pottersville. So Pottersville is written by Daniel Meyer and directed by Seth Henriksen. It stars a bunch of people that people should know. You have Michael Shannon. Judy Greer, who's been in Arrested Development, a whole bunch of other stuff. Ron Perlman, voice of Cheryl on uh, yeah. on on uh, Archer, and Michael Shannon from uh, from Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, yeah, Boardwalk Empire, Shape of Water. Ron Perlman, who's Hellboy. Christina Hendricks from That's Mad right. Men. Thomas Lennon from The Slate. Reno Nine One One, and a ton of other stuff. Ian McShane from Deadwood, and oh, also uh, apparently personal friend of Justin and of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he liked my post on Twitter, so I think we're best friends now pretty sure uh and ian mcshane from deadwood and uh american gods like this is a star-studded cast like not even joking like all these guys are tremendous and so basically it takes place in pottersville and <clears throat> it centers around a guy named maynard grieger who is michael shannon's character and he runs a general store in this small little town the town's kind of running down and uh, people don't come around there much more often because i guess the, the the lumber mill is shut down the economy of the town is going down and he notices it most in his shop because people have a hard time paying for stuff and he doesn't get as much traffic as he used to so one day he decides to go home early because ian mcshane's character comes around bart and bart has some elk steaks and he's he buys them from bart and says i'm gonna take these home bring them to my wife and we're gonna have a nice surprising dinner when he comes home he finds his wife in the throes of yiffing with uh uh ron perlin's character the sheriff sheriff jack because they're both uh furries and both uh uh christina hendrickson's character and ron perlin's character are both dressed up as furries uh she is a bunny and he is a squirrel and when they're when they're doing they, they he thinks it's all sexual but you know in their world it's not sexual they just like to rub up against each other and, and dry hump and that's what it is uh, the joke is he's not a squirrel he's a wolf and then it goes on for a little while uh so they get kind of separated because it's really strange to him and she doesn't she wants some more excitement he just goes to his general store every day he's a really nice guy but she just wants more excitement in her life so they kind of have a separation he gets really drunk that night because ian mcshane's character comes back with a whole bunch of moonshine and he says uh if you want to get wild you should you know you should drink some of his moonshine so he gets really upset drinks the moonshine wears a ghillie suit and a gorilla mask and gloves and then goes about town and starts screaming and acting crazy and breaking stuff. And the next day he passed out, wakes up and everyone thinks that a Sasquatch has ravaged the city. And so really what it was, it was him dressed up as the ghillie suit and the, the uh, gorilla stuff. So basically uh, the store, the, the town gets put on the map and people want to visit it for a tourist attraction of it being a, a Sasquatch sighting area. And he uh, keeps coming back and forth to, to show himself so that, you know, he notices that his store gets more traffic. People are, are doing more things. This, the city's a buzz again. So he cares about his city and the people. So he wants to keep on bringing people out until eventually Thomas Lennon's character, Brock Masterson, a 
Aussie uh, adventurist, adventurist, adventurist. That's whatever it is. Comes out and says that I think wants- it's ventriloquist. That's I think it's definitely a ventriloquist. He's a ventriloquist. So Thomas Lennon's character comes out and he wants to hunt down the Sasquatch because that's he's kind of like a bear grill slash uh, Sasquatch. A hunter character kind of guy and he brings his his crew and he's a uh, hell-bent on finding the sasquatch when he when uh he's out hunting uh maynard is dresses up again as the sasquatch to try and scare him and they realize oh there is a sasquatch here because they're having like they're it's a show that most of the stuff they do is fake it's making fun of like those ghost hunter shows and stuff like that where people fake a whole bunch of stuff and uh he he thinks that there's really one there and then it turns out he's not ozzy he's just a he was from uh what was he was from i think he was from uh i think it was from new york i can't remember i'm sure it's probably wow, one this is a very important question very <laughs> i knew that was gonna question. be it i knew that was oh, gonna be no. it. oh it's about our best friend thomas lennon's character too oh, i don't know how can you no. possibly get this wrong so uh he freaks out and says there's really one here let's really hunt it down so he gathers ian mcshane's character bart and they go try and hunt him down they catch him they find out that's uh maynard uh maynard uh gets shamed by the public and everyone gets upset with him but then uh judy greer's character decides to uh remind the people of all the great things maynard has done for the, for the city because every time someone didn't have money for their food at the general store he put them on a a, a tab list and she brings out the tablets and she, she realizes well she shows them that there's nothing on there he just basically was giving them stuff for free because he knows people go through hard times and he's a really nice guy like Man, he's a really sweet guy, which is really funny because Michael Shannon's characters in most movies is horrifyingly awful. Yeah, I'm pretty well, he, sure there are bodies under the floor or something in that in that general. Story. Yeah, because like you think of like Shape of Water or uh, Boardwalk Empire, he's an awful person in all of those movies, especially like Shape of Water. He's a terrible person, which is great. I love his characters, but in this movie, he plays a legitimately super sweet guy, and uh, she gets the town to rally behind him, and they're all like, hey, "Who cares if it's real or not?" Uh, and then they discredit uh, Thomas Lennon's character because they find out, you know, he's not Australian. And then uh, they build a Sasquatch museum in the, in the town. And they basically that's their new form. They turn the mill into the Sasquatch museum. And that's their new form of re- revenue for tourism from their, in their town. And it's just a really, really sweet and super cool story. I loved it. It's a very sweet Christmas movie. It's very funny. Um, Thomas Lennon's great because he goes in and out of this ridiculous Aussie accent. It's amazing um he says like uh what was the word you said over him? sip you want to make sure you get the sip at the at the, at the brunches the sip <laughs> he's, he's saying he's saying sap but he called it sip <laughs> it's so good i love it thomas lennon's so good and then like when he goes in and out of like being a concerned person like all right this is not a joke and then he goes back and forth into his like posi accent it's great i like when he was trying to get see if there's anybody who does eye, eyebrow fitting or eyebrows, <laughs> yeah, because he needed Ron, to get his eyebrows threaded. Ron Perlman's fantastic. I think he's really funny, and because like he's a he's a secret furry, and like they stumble upon this furry convention in the middle of the woods. They're trying to like celebrate the Sasquatch, and he's like, "We don't want to go that way, guys. We definitely don't want to." He's not there, I'm sure. And they stumble upon it. And it's like all the furries, and it's like, "Oh, these are my people," and like he can't control himself. He's like, "I'm a furry, and I don't care who knows it." And it's it's great. It, his character is fantastic. Christina Hendricks is really weird in the movie because she's like this weird bunny, uh, furry, and she like is super obsessed with it. She's like, "You should bring the ghillie suit. We'll have a good time." Um, Ian McShane's really funny too because he's like this master hunter slash drunk, and he seems like a psychopath and it's so funny. Judy sure. Greer is just another a uh, sweet person that works with Michael Shannon's character in the in the uh the general store. And I thought it was a great cast, great acting. It was funny, it was sweet. It's a really nice Christmas movie. This is what uh Hallmark movies should be, not that other crap. Like these are this is a fun, interesting, cute story and I loved it. So I don't know. I don't know. Hallmark says a preference. Are you ready for your quiz? I am sure I'm gonna fail, even though I really love this. No, movie, no, so. no. You're gonna do you're gonna do great. I'm feeling really good about this. Uh, but yeah, it's a good movie, right? It's pretty funny. I don't know it why it's like a five it came out on last year, IMDb. So. It has like a five on IMDb, and I love that. I think it's so good. I think it's so funny. The camera works weird because like they do these like tight shots yeah. of faces. 
I think there's also some lighting issues too that was going on inside the general store. Like there's some weird shots there, but like ultimately, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it was funny. I mean, it's it's lower budget and it's silly. It's not like the most. Expensive. It's lower budget, but like they have these heavy hitter actors. So all the budget must have been the director must be all their friends or something. Because it's not like they needed they needed a whole lot of like crazy special effects here. Like that was the whole point. Like his, yeah. his, his costume is the worst. It's got like a generic like, uh, yeah. Halloween gorilla mask in it. So, all right, Justin, I got uh, some questions for you here. Uh, you unfortunately did not answer any of them in your. your all right, all right, all right, all right. So question number one, um, you talked uh, kind of around this a little bit, but Thomas Lennon's character, Thomas Lennon's character, uh, Brock, we'll go ahead and call him, even though it's not his real name. Uh, he uh, he says that there there's a, there's a particular reason uh, or there's there's something particular in North America that North American Sasquatches are drawn to. Uh, can you tell me what it is and why? Is well, it? there's clapping. There's the mating call. And then like there's a guitar playing. They like uh they like good vibes. Is that what it is? Something like that. They like, no, they like melody. I don't know. They like, you the tell me. they like the melody of the guitar. That's what it is. Is that what it is? Oh, that's an excellent, it's an excellent guess, but unfortunately that's incorrect. Specifically, he says that uh, North American Sasquatches or, or, or Squatches, as he refers to them quite frequently. Squatches. Squatches. Uh, as he, he, they're, they're actually att- attracted to wood. And do you know why they're attracted to wood? Because of the sip. Because of the sip. Right. And you know why the sap? Because because it's good for the libido. They like to eat it, and it increases their libido. So there you go. <laughs> <a> silly movie. <laughs> so stupid. So that's a that's a that's an incorrect answer for you, sir. Uh, uh, I tried. I tried. Second question. Second question. What is the local reporter's name? Oh, it was uh, Gutierrez. Because she's like, she's like, I need you is... to do the whole name, please. Uh, Stacy. Gutierrez. She's like she says it normally. <laughs> she goes super yeah. Hispanically. Stacy. Like, well, Gutierrez. she doesn't. <laughs> the, the the like white anger dude says it's like Stacy Gutierrez, and she's like Stacy Gutierrez. You know, like super like so rolling the R's and stuff. It's so hilarious, and it happens like four or five times. That is correct. That is that's correct. Excellent. I did it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. What is Brock's theory about the origins of Bigfoot? Uh, that they're from space, not only from space, that they are sent to Earth because they are prisoners in space. And basically, Earth is a giant prison for these space creatures. Justin, that is 100% correct. Well done. Excellent. I'm very proud of you. They're saying it drunkenly around the fire. Yes, that's that's absolutely correct. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. That was question number three, correct? All right. So just do a little. I have so many questions, but I'm trying to decide which ones I want to do. All right. Justin, uh, they, at the beginning of the movie, or at least after Brock first got there, they were doing like a filming of him with everybody around. And then they wanted to do a second one, a second take for a promo in which (laughs) Brock Masterson says, there's definitely a scorch in these woods. So I would like you to go ahead and do your best Brock Masterson and actually do the promo. And uh, I'm going to give you points based upon the quality of that promo. All right, let me get down real quick. I stand up. I'm like, there's definitely a scorch in these woods. That's so is that good. No, let me try. All right. oh, take two. Take two. Gonna... Hold on. Take two. Take two. There's not a whole he lot. Got... Of... I like. Got... I like the physical movement, but not a lot of energy in the line. He got multiple takes. I gotta get multiple takes too. All right. Hold on. All right, here we go. There's definitely a scorch in these woods. Is that good? Is that better? That's a little bit better, a little more feel to it. Ah, I just, I just feel like there wasn't a whole lot of energy. All right, let me get another take. Let me get another take. Yeah, like is just one more take. Ah, one more take. One more take, right. take. All right, let's make sure we roll on. Lights on. We're good. Right. We're good. We're good. Good. It's definitely a scorch in these woods. Okay, that, that one was probably the worst of the three. All right, well, you know. Because it was too loud, a, and a you turned effort. into like Cockney British accent. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give Evie, you. Evie, pick credit. up your socks. I'm gonna give you half credit for you know the energy of of squatting yeah. and standing up. You can only get so much, Evie. You know what I mean? So sure, I got, sure. Got, it's, it's this guy. Yeah. All right, Justin. So, next question: What movie was frequently parodied in Pottersville? And how was it parodied? Uh, I know that uh, 
Terminator Salvation was parodied in it um, because he did the whole Christian Bale flipping out on the light guy thing, which I thought was fantastic. Other than that, I don't know what else mm. was. Um, I can only I'm think so... of the Christian Bale thing. I have never been more disappointed to be your friend and podcasting oh, no. partner. Oh, no, no, um, no. It's this little movie. Perhaps you've heard of it. A uh, little indie movie by the name of Jaws. Uh, how do you not see this? Like when they're doing the whole like thing in the in the in the general store and they're talking about, you know, how they're going to go catch it. And then you see Ian McShane's character like run his fingers down the blackboard and he's like, oh, I'll catch it. And <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's, that's 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 Quint, man. And then they a sheriff goes out there uh, like it's a, so ridiculous. It's like, yeah, like the, there's so many things referenced to Jaws, uh, which is another thing that endeared it to me. So that's another incorrect answer. I'm sorry. I, I like the whole I'm thing where he's like, wait, what are you doing? Is that like we're not getting you checking the light? Know, just I kind of just want to stop the podcast for good right now. How can we not? I'm just whatever. I apologize. I'm so sorry. Final, final question. You've got 2.5 out of five, I believe, up until this point. And this, uh, there is a correct answer for this last question. This is not just to say anything. Justin, what is your furry animal? Oh, uh, it has to be a panda bear because um, of my love for Asian cuisine, specifically Panda Express, the most classic and genuine uh, 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 Asian cuisine. And also, I'm very fat and furry, so I will go with panda bear. Answer? That's an, that's an excellent, excellent answer. It's the incorrect answer. <laughs> but is this an excellent? The correct answer is a sloth. Oh, you know that's a that's a close number two. You you can see where I'm going with it, right? You can see see why because of so my high energy, my high energy, yeah, high energy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so just I believe you got a two point five. That's about par for the course. We're good. We're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jeff. What was your movie that you had to watch? Okay, so many podcast episodes ago, Justin assigned me the many many moons ago. It was it was a very long time ago. Uh, a movie by the name of Mythica, A Quest for Heroes, which is a movie that you can find on Amazon Prime Video. And it turns out that that was just the first movie in a series of five movies, all with the title of Mythica and then with their own subtitles, uh, that it was basically an extended D&D campaign. And so Justin assigned me Mythica 5, The God Slayer. This is the final of the five films. This is it. This is the end. Now, I said in last week's episode that I had actually gone back and watched some more Mythical movies, and I looked at my Amazon at Riz. I only actually watched the second one, the first and the second one, obviously, because the first one was assigned, but the second one I watched on my own, and I had had started the third one, but I never actually finished it. Um, So we jump forward, (laughs) skipping over two other movies. I'm I'm pretty sure you don't need the others for reference. I don't know a lot of the details of what happened, but basically what's going on at the very start is that the entire world, the entire land is being ravaged by the Lich King, who's played by the delightful, the wonderful uh, Matthew. Arthas? Played by Uh, Arthas? No. Uh, Also, World of Warcraft wasn't really the first to ever come up with the concept of a Lich King, so just be careful there. Much like all of Blizzard stuff. And uh, Green Orcs. They came up with Green Orcs too. Sorry. Sure, totally did. Uh, yeah, Games Workshop, uh, like to have a word with you. Now, anyway, the Lich King, uh, played by Matthew Mercer, as I was trying to say, but just in stuff down it, uh, of Critical Role, uh, he uh, he plays the big bad guy who is trying to kill the gods, um, and he needs the lead characters, the main characters' help uh, in order to do so. Now, the main character is the same person from the very beginning. Uh, her name is Merrick. She was originally a slave girl in the in the first movie that we uh, that we saw, and she has now kind of blossomed into a very powerful necromancer. Now, the first scene we get is basically a a city that's being ravaged by zombies because the Lich King has these zombies all over the place. Now, the main D&D group, uh, so there was a a caster, so the necromancer. There was a tank. uh, There was a priestess for healing. And then there uh, was like a roguish character. Uh, They're split up. So Merrick and uh, Dagon, uh, so that's the caster and the rogue uh, are off trying to do something else while uh, the the tank um, by the name of Thane, who is now apparently a commander, uh, and Tila, who is now actually inhabited by a god, uh, are trying to help defend this this onslaught um, by the Lich King. And the the sorceress and the the rogue are off 
searching for a way to stop the Lich King, right? They're trying to stop them in some way. And they're specifically looking to obtain a weapon uh, from the gods that they can use to defeat him, this kind of hammer. Um, and so they go across this long trek uh, through the snow, but then not through the snow, but then through the snow again. And they camp in the exact same spot like six or seven times uh, the, through this particular uh, through this particular camping. And eventually they find him uh, and they have to like go into the underworld to try to get this hammer because that's where the hammer is because a previous god uh, had died there and kept and like brought the hammer with them. And so they need to actually die. And so along the way, people start to um, have second thoughts about Merrick because Merrick is constantly being contacted um, by the Lich King. Um, Zorlak is his name uh, in trying to entice her to the dark side, basically come help him. The two of them combined can kill all of the remaining gods, allowing Zorlak to ascend to be the only god in the land at that point with Merrick to help, you know, rule at his side or some kind of nonsense. Right. And eventually she gives up and she, because she's sort of attacked by Tila's uh, God because uh, they can, she can sense that Merrick is, is starting to pull towards uh, Zorlock and in the process she disappears. And so why she disappears and she's off um, with Zorlock in this tower in the middle of nowhere. Um, the, the, th the other three are left at this particular site, uh, this grave site for the God that um, has the, um, has the, the actual hammer that they're looking for. And then Thane and Dagon decide to kill themselves so that they can go into the underworld where they meet with this old God and this old God, they, you know, they, I think the God's name is tech and he's like this old Viking God and he's this big dude. And uh, they had a plan that Tila was going to bring them back uh, from the dead. She manages to get Thane back out. Um, and right as it seems like Dagon had figured out how to take the hammer back with him, um, it doesn't work out. And so he ends up literally just staying in the underworld and being dead. Um, so Tila and Thane attempt to go back and to, to where they, where they found Merrick and try to talk her into, um, you know, not, you know, not siding with Zorlock. Meanwhile, uh, Dagon is in the underworld being, you know, and he's talking with tech, the God of the forge who gave him the hammer. And then, so then Dagon runs all the way across the world again to help, the four of them defeat Sorlock, which they do because Hercules helped out Hercules being Kevin Sorbo who plays Gojin Pyle, who was briefly in the first one and maybe in some of the others um, who had embedded like part of his consciousness or soul somewhere in Sorlock without Sorlock really knowing. And so Dagon manages to somehow through like their deep emotional connection, convince Merrick to like put the crown on. So the crown was this other thing that they had to have on in order to take the hammer. It's all very complicated. And finally she does. And then she's able to see the hammer and she takes the hammer from him. And then Gojin Pyle like puts the pause button on Sorlock. So Sorlock can't move for like a good four seconds, allowing Merrick to smash him like right in the chest. And Matt Mercer dies. It's very sad. And then Merrick dies, not really entirely sure how or why. Long story short, uh, Thane and Tila, they're still alive and they're like together as a couple. And then Merrick and Dagon are dead, but they're together as a couple because the underworld is whatever you make of it, because that's what Tech says. And all is saved. No gods are alive, but hell, you know, life existed before gods. And so life will exist again after gods. And that is how Mythica the five movie franchise ends with the God Slayer. What did I think of it? Um, so I felt kind of bad when I reviewed a quest for heroes because I was kind of mean on it. And I think looking back, I, I, I kind of, I've softened a little bit on it. I watched the second one. I felt like it got better. And I do feel like the God Slayer is, is much better than the first one. This might be because maybe the actors are a little bit more comfortable in their characters, or maybe because things are um, like there's, a better plot uh there's more things at stake uh but it definitely felt like a much better movie than a quest for heroes uh, i do i am kind of curious what three and four were like since i never really i only got maybe 20 minutes into three and i never watched four at all so i don't really know exactly what happens uh but ultimately like these are these are low budget fantasy movies that are in the vein of something like you know a lord of the rings or whatever but obviously they don't have the budget um, or the cast or the, all of the supporting features that those type of huge, uh, huge endeavors do. So like, you're not going to have like the most breathtaking scenery or amazing CGI, 
Um, but at the end of the day, it's still kind of entertaining. And I feel like as a person who DMs uh, for a D&D group, loves D&D, loves RPG, I, I can definitely, like, this is an RPG quest. That's what this is. This is an RPG campaign. This is like a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. And that's where it kind of goes down to. Um, I, I, similar to, I guess, what my my conclusions were with a quest for heroes. It's it's not the first choice for me. Like if you're going, if you have access to like Amazon Prime Video or you have access to Netflix and stuff like that, there are probably other fantasy movies I would go to before I got to this one. But I don't think it's a waste of your time. Um, I do think that it's it was tough watching this movie having not seen the previous two because there are a lot of details about like. Um, about the dark spore and about the crown and about the weapon that they're going for. These are like huge MacGuffin type items that are relevant in some way, but I didn't necessarily know how, um, how we got to where we were. I'm not entirely sure. I know that Merrick decided to trade away a portion, like the last sliver of the dark, uh, the dark spore to get the crown. And in doing so that kind of let Zorlock rise to power. So she feels guilty for Zorlock being so powerful and it's her duty to stop this, et cetera. Um, the dwarf hammerhead who ran the inn where like they did that weird kind of quest competition, he died in this, which was really sad. Um, and then there were zombies, which was weird. Just seeing zombies is always kind of strange. And then there was this whole like war wagon with this like little girl who apparently was in some sort of weird fugue state. Um, I'm not sure exactly what was I don't understand what happened because I didn't watch the previous ones. So if you're gonna watch Mythica, and I don't I, I wouldn't discourage anyone from watching it. I certainly would watch it in order <laughs> and don't just jump to the end, uh, which I think goes without saying. But uh, by and large, I think it's a solid, they're solid films for what they are, which is low budget fantasy films, uh, high fantasy, good stuff. But again, don't go in thinking you're going to get something on par with Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or anything like those types of things. But you're still going to get, I think, a fun adventure. And I think for anybody who plays role-playing games or likes this kind of stuff, you're going to enjoy it. Like, I don't think they're bad movies. And I definitely think the acting ramped up a little bit in this one. I thought it was better than the first one. Again, and I think that might just be because they're more used to the characters or the characters were more driven and focused on what they were doing. So all in all, fairly positive review, but with the huge caveat that know what, know what, it, know what it is that you're going into. All right. So you're ready for your, your questions then? Uh, I will try. There are so many things I was confused about, but I will try. Go ahead. All right. So don't worry. Uh, I kind of skipped through this, so they're not terribly difficult properly. Anyways, so, uh, Jeffrey, to surrender is what? To surrender is hmm. what? To surrender. I'm, trying, I'm looking at my notes, see if I wrote that down. It doesn't it's look when like the, I wrote when, that uh, down. Thane and the goddess were talking and he's talking about we should surrender and he said and she said to surrender is blank to destroy yourself i don't know the answer i'm you I could pretty much probably guess this and get it uh, i'll give just, you one more it, guess just, to just yeah to I'll give, give up I, I don't know like is to, to is surrender to yourselves is, or I don't know. is 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 death to surrender is death that's what oh. she says because they talk okay. about we should surrender because we're surrendering. I did say kill yourselves. I did say kill yourselves. I'll give you a half because it was your oh, fourth yeah. attempt. It was your fourth yeah. attempt, so I'll give you a half. All right, so next one. <laughs> what will Dagon do to the creepy old guy if anything happens to the young girl? And I need you to tell me now. Obviously, he says he's going to do something to him, but he says he's going to do something before something happens. So there's some guy like beating on this little girl, and he said, if you yes, I remember he's going to kill her. Um, he's going this, to kill him before something. Gonna, I think it was something with his eyes. Wasn't it something with his eyes? It wasn't that he was gonna, it wasn't how he was going to kill him. Is that he was going mm -hmm. to kill him before something happened? All right, and uh, so before he got turned, I don't remember. I know the scene you're talking about, but I don't remember the specifics. Ah, um, again, not in my notes. Yeah, he said, "I will kill you before mm -hmm. you're able to wet yourself." That's oh, that's said. right. I remember. Yeah. Okay. I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you that. I'll give you. That. No, I don't deserve any of that one. That one, I'm. I'm totally wrong. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next question. Let's go to the back of my page here. You hear the paper. It's good. Uh, sound effects going. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How does no one laugh after saying Zorlock? Uh, that's my main question. When they're acting. What? And, I, and part of it is, uh, what is a funnier villain's name other than Zorlock? Because that name is ridiculous. I mean, Count Dooku. 
I mean, it does, it does sound like I poop. feel like that was pretty silly right there. Like Dooku. <laughs> like he just, that's pretty good. No, that's pretty good. Like yeah. to say Dooku with a straight face yeah. is pretty tough. So I'll, I'll have to go yeah. there because there was okay. a moment where her and Kevin Sorbo were talking and they said Zorlock maybe about six times in a row. And I cannot believe right. no one cracked a smile at one. Well, they, I mean, they might have, but at the same time, like, we're not getting those takes. It's like, what the hell are we talking about here? Like, we're getting, well, like... okay, here's the thing, man. As a person who's getting into the D&D life and understanding that part of playing and RPing is 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 committing, is like, you kind of have to commit to those types of things. Like, just accept the fact that you're in in a, in a weird, you know, crazy world where, like, a freaking necromancer named Zorlock is doing something, so... Um, how do they do it? Because they're committed and they're getting paid. Because Kevin you know, Sorbo they is love a what they do, Justin. That's exactly it. That's exactly right, okay, it. Okay. I think I get like uh, four points for that question. Uh, you get a, you get a full now. point. Full point. Full point. Uh, next question, and you gotta really think about this for your answer. Okay, so the question is, Hodor. So what is your answer to that question? Hodor. Hodor absolutely correct you got it right that's perfect uh i was watching like hoder's got a giant hammer <laughs> he's he's tech it's tech yeah i know it's awesome yeah uh, that's funny yeah. so hodor and the answer is hodor i wrote that down so really yeah, good. good good job all right uh let's see here uh next question what's more exciting walking around and do or uh sitting around talking and doing nothing so what's more exciting for a movie walking around aimlessly or sitting around talking, doing nothing. So I would like you to tell me in this movie what was more. Yeah, that's an, that's an excellent question, and I'm going to say that it's walking around uh, because you have the chance of random encounters. As a person who's never really DM'd anything in any sort of serious capacity, sure. Uh, whenever you do, whenever you do travel, there's these huge charts for random encounters, and so you can have random things happen. Now it could there's the potential for something to happen. Right? Sure. Potential, but it never happened in this movie, though. There was never that's, a that's, random that's encounter. Incorrect. That's incorrect. That's incorrect. <laughs> First of all, there was a random encounter in the beginning with the with the war wagon. Second of all, there was a random encounter when like the the messenger somehow found them. Not entirely sure how. Uh, then they found the uh, the horses, which is really exciting. And then they 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 went from a snowy area to a non snowy area to another snowy area. And yeah, and they used they they used the uh, the horses. Plus, they had a series of random encounters when Zorlock kept showing up, uh, kind of in her mind. Uh, so there's that as well. So, well, uh, Jeffrey, yeah, because of encounters. your devotion to this answer, I'm going to have to give you a full point. That was a pretty good answer uh, given you. that situation. Uh, However, nothing happened in this stuff. movie. It was really boring. They were just walking around and talking around campfires. I agree Final with question. you, but I agree with you. But at the same time, I feel like this is episode five. You know what I mean? Like I feel like we can't judge this. Okay, sure. It's hard to judge this movie. So would all the exposition be over by now? Why would they have to have more? That's my question. Well, think about think about a lot of these movies that that end this way right and how like there's there's so much lead up think of like to me i equate it to mass effect 3 remember the third mass effect game i'm not sure if no, you ever played no. it i didn't play it a lot of people was awful well no like the game of mass effect 3 is great and everyone complained about the fact that at the end of mass effect 3 it sort of took all these crazy choices that you made and it came down to what was your favorite color right that was the idea but at the same time i also felt like the entirety of mass effect 3 was just like this big goodbye like to everybody you had all these little scenes and stuff like that so to me, it felt kind of like that, where it was just like this big goodbye where people were kind of coming to their final decisions. But you're right. I mean, I feel like there more could have certainly happened. Like it was a very slow, like ind individually on its own, this two hour movie, I do agree with you that I don't think there was enough that happened. But I think if we take into account the entirety of it all and kind of put that together, I think maybe it's a little bit different. Sure. Uh, final question. Uh why is there not a limit for the amount of blue filter a movie can use? I would like to know your answer for that because this entire I movie felt like there was gel. less blue filter in this one than the first one because uh, the first one had a ton because we both talked about it that they had there's a ton of blue filter, um, but at the same time low budget, low budget, so they couldn't necessarily do like really complicated on 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 site type recording. I would imagine. So why isn't there a limit? Uh, because low budget, man, low budget, low budget. I'm gonna say um i don't know if i can give you this one i put uh because you that's why um so that, that was my Whoa, answer so I buddy, guess, come on family I'm sorry, that's, that's what it said. It's, it's, 
But the Thomas answer, Lennon is listening to this podcast. I know. You're in your potty mouth. Right a longtime family friend, Thomas Lennon, is going to be very upset with what I said. I'm sorry, but that's just what it says here on the on the, on the the thing. I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> that's just what it says. I, found I can't it help it. I can't help it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, going back to what you have here, uh, you had first question, uh, one half. Second question, uh, no. Got that wrong, yeah. Third yeah, yeah. question, uh, you got good by Dooku. So that's 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 one and a half. Hodor, Hodor, that's two and a half, three and a half. And again, that's a three and a half out of six, Jeff. I'm sorry. All right. That's a win. 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 Okay. Everything's back to normal now. All right, Jesse. So last week was a few, was a fluke. It's just a fluke. It's just a fluke. I just it was my Christmas present to you that you can actually win one of these things. All right. Uh are you ready for new challenges? Absolutely. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> so what do you got for me for next week? So you're gonna read the uh a staple in batman mythology and lore you're gonna read frank miller's right frank miller this guy he knows his i hear he's good frank miller's uh all-star batman and robin now what's special yeah yeah. (laughs) what's special about this guy is that uh uh he's lost his mind at this point and this uh particular comic stopped printing because his Mm -hmm. lack of meeting deadlines too good it's too good no, it's more of his lack of meeting deadlines and his inability to make any sense when he's doing stuff. No one bought it anymore. So you're going to read the incomplete series of Batman and All Star Batman and Robin. So that's what you're going to read. So there you go, pal. It's a Batman comic. How could it be bad? All right. Yeah, think that. You should think those things. That's that's how I'm going into it. Uh, all right, Justin. Uh, many moons ago, I gave you a challenge to watch a mermaid television show on our favorite channel, Freeform. Uh, by the name uh-huh. of Siren, or it could have been Sirens. I don't know if there's an S at the I think end. There was an uh, S. I think there was an but S. But it was about a mermaid in like some northwestern town, uh, in in the U.S. I would like you to also watch a potentially new mermaidish ish television show by the name of Tidelands, coming from our friends in Australia. Oh, oh boy, Tidelands! It's on Netflix. You can you can go. All right. All right. So it's time to close this down. Uh, you can find us up on the old interweb at lollygaggerco.com. Uh, I am often tweeting or listening or liking tweets and stuff like that uh, at lollygaggerco. Uh, Justin's been sort of kind of maybe starting to maybe do the Instagram thing some more, and so I might do so as well. Uh, also, Justin, uh, even though it's it's holidays time, I doubt you're probably going to get uh, much, uh, yeah, I'm much streaming out. Morning. I'm out the door but morning, so. maybe when he returns, you can find him at twitch.tv slash jehufa. Also, don't forget our longtime personal friend, Thomas Lennon, at Thomas Lennon on Twitter. So make sure you say hi to him on our behalf because uh, we go way back. So there you go. Yes, this horse is dead, like super dead. We have beat that horse to death right now, I think. All right. Uh, and anyway, uh, from, from Justin and myself, we both, uh, I think, are, are agreed in saying everyone have a very Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Festivus, uh, and uh, enjoy the time. Happy Chahanukkah. <laughs> <laughs>